When I was uh, a young kid, my dad used to like used to like hard rubbish collection, and uh, he wasn't one of those kind of crazy go around everyone's street kind of stalking what was in front of them. But he was when he, he would be intentional when he was driving down the street and he'd drive a little bit slower, just to see what was out the front. And he was after one particular thing. He was after wheels for a billy cart. It was always his project. Was there's maybe there's wheels for a billy cart outside of someone's house. Because that was his idea. The way that you get wheels for a billy cart is hard rubbish collection. And, uh, and, and he, he slowly created a bit of a collection of, of, of wheels over many years. And billy carts are, are amazing things because they're often made of bits and pieces that are, that are accumulated together, that are makeshift sort of um, random things and maybe you find wheels that have better bearings on them so you'll get to go faster. But, but they're just a hobbled together piece of bits and pieces. The thing about a billy cart is there's no confusion about what the purpose of it is. <laughs> you, you might not have full control. You might not always go to plan. But there is no confusion about why the billy cart's getting put together. Sometimes it gets a little hairy. Sometimes it doesn't even go to plan. This is one of the kids in our youth group many years back. But you notice the picture in the middle, you can actually see the scar on his knee of what had happened previously. But you can still see the smile on his face. This is a kid on a mission. And the billy cart was built for a purpose. Unfortunately, it's not always the case. Does anyone know this car? Does anyone know this driver? Very good. I wouldn't have got that. This, uh, this car actually um, is in a garage near, around the corner from where I work in Richmond. And you wouldn't recognise the garage. It's just an inconspicuous little, little space. And often when I uh, walk past, um, I see it wrapped up in its uh, cloth, whatever it is that sits over the top of it. And on, on a couple of occasions, I've seen them wheel it out and put it on the back of a, of a flatbed truck. But this car back in the day, and he actually, turns out he had lots of cars, so um, every season it was a different car. But, um, so I'm not exactly sure which one this one is. But this car back in the day won Jack Brabham the World Championship. An amazing car. And now it sits maintained by some old mechanics and they just remember how it was once upon a time. That's, that's a, a memory of days gone by. And here's another car. This is a concept car. So it doesn't even have an engine in it. This is, a, this is a bunch of people that are dreaming about what could possibly happen in the future. So the company I've never heard of before, but this is this year's a car that they brought out that's, that they're you know, showing off this year of what maybe we could do in the future. But this car's useless. Doesn't even achieve what a car's designed for. The Jack Brabham's car's useless. They don't even drive it anymore. So we've got this scenario where We've got this simple little billy cart made of makeshift pieces with a purpose. And yet there's other forms of cars around that are useless. Their purpose is no longer valid or they're just dreaming about the future. You can't even drive them. 
And I think sometimes when we think about church, we can get stuck with how things were back in the day. I remember when I was at youth group. They were amazing days. They were awesome. Or, or we go, imagine what it's going to be like in the future. And we forget we're actually more like a billy card. We're a bunch of makeshift people that get together with a purpose, with a purpose for today. And it doesn't matter whether the billy cart's got the best bearings on or not, it's still going to go down that hill because that's what it was designed for. And when Catalyst was formed, we, um, Tanya and I were, um, were, to be honest, a bit disillusioned, a bit frustrated, and we'd moved out from our church and we were kind of glad to be moving out to, to officer. And uh, we, number one on our checklist of looking for a church in the area was big church, hide in the back corner. That was, that was where, that's where we wanted to be. Hey, in the back corner. <laughs> you can't hide here, sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, and that's, that's where we wanted to be. We just wanted to just ride the wave. We were happy not to get caught up in all the stuff and we were a bit burnt out and happy just to ride the wave. But God had other plans. And God, when, when my, my grandparents, uh, my grandma goes to Beaconsfield Baptist and she told us about this church plant here and like, uh-uh, no, 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 not interested in a church plant. That sounds too much like hard work and all the challenges that come along with people planting a church. But when we came along and we heard the vision for the church, we heard the heart of the church, God did something. We saw a billy cart that was going somewhere. We saw a billy cart with purpose. In fact, Tanya had decided that if we, walked into the, if we drove into the car park and there was one other car there, probably the guy that was starting the church, we weren't going to stay. We didn't want, we didn't want to be a, be a billy cart that was just us. But God's plans and purposes were so much more and so much better than what we ever plan, intended. And I'm just going to read from, uh, from the Catalyst website, which has essentially been the same for five years. Not in a bad way, it's just, here we go. Okay, why spell Catalyst with a K? The nucleus of church mission is the mandate to advance the kingdom of God. The church is a vital part of God's expression of heaven invading earth, providing a unique message of eternal power, unconditional love, adventurous faith, and living hope. Many, many people will ask what Catalyst means. What is exactly the point? The unusual name always allows us, oh sorry, allows us to explain the dynamic of God's kingdom, the catalytic message of Christ, and the transforming power of the gospel. It is challenging trying to convey the vision of a church in one defining statement. Our motto, a revolution of love, encapsulates that we are compelled to an intense measure of love towards God and people. Micah 6.8 is the scripture verse that has forged our vision for Catalyst. It reinforces a simple yet uncompromising attitude towards love. The Lord has shown you what is right and what he requires of you, to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Embodied in this verse are significant keys to a lifestyle that is pleasing to God and will positively impact people 
in our community. And that's just a snapshot. Um, Mark's great at writing, so there's plenty more. But, um, but I guess for me, I saw this billy cart with a purpose. And God arrested my heart and said, there's, there's no point hiding up in the back. Because in a billy cart, there's no wasted pieces. There's nothing that goes to waste on a billy cart, often because you've managed, only scrambled enough to make the billy cart go. But that's the point. And so we're starting a series called When the Rubber Hits the Road. Because like a billy cart, like a car, it's useless if it sits in a garage and we just remember what it was like back in the day. It's useless if we just imagine what it's going to be like coming up ahead. It's actually when the wheels hit the road that we actually find out what the car's made of. We actually find out what the purpose, well, not, we don't find out the purpose, we find out the, the, what we exercise in terms of the plans and purposes that we have. And it's no different in our personal lives. It's when the rubber hits the road that in our personal lives we get to find out what our faith's made of, what our trust in God's made of, what, what our experience of his gifts are made of. And so whether it's, whether it's our personal lives or our life as a church, it's when the rubber hits the road that, that we get to experience that. Now, to avoid us looking like we're maybe having a midlife crisis or it's about how it looks, the better version of this is that. Because it's not about how shiny the car is. It's about where it's going and what it's doing. And I don't know about you, but, but when I look at that vision and that heart for what Callus was set up for, one, that hasn't changed, and two, I don't think we're done yet. Yeah. I don't think we're finished. I don't think we've reached that revolution of love that God called this church to, to a level that we can go, okay, God, what's the next project? We're actually in the middle of that journey. And when you look at what um, Russell shared last week, he used two really significant examples from the Bible where the baton was handed on. The, the first one, I don't know what order they came in, was Elijah and Elisha. And when you look at that, Elisha carried on the mission that Elijah started to, a, to an even greater degree. When you look at Moses and Joshua, Moses, the first time, not that he met God, but the first time he had that experience at the burning bush, God told him, I will take you to the promised land. So he had his mission. He knew what he was doing. Like that billy cart, he was on a journey. And as they got to the edge of the, 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 the promised land, he handed the mantle over to Joshua. Did the purpose and plan change? Not at all. In fact, it went the opposite way. They actually got to experience the promised land because Moses handed the mantle on. And I think it's really significant that we have a bunch of young people up this morning leading us in worship. Yeah. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that God wastes anything in this billy cart. And we sometimes look on people who are more experienced or less experienced or we idolise some and we wonder what the value of others are, but God doesn't see anything like that. That's us. That's our weakness. That's our failing. He looks around and he goes, there is not one wasted person in this billy cart. 
There is not one person that is insignificant, that doesn't have value, that doesn't have a plan and a purpose. And so it's really important that when we look at ourselves as a church, we don't see ourselves as one or two. We don't see ourselves as a couple. We are like a billy cart where nothing is wasted. Everything is part of that journey and that plan and purpose. And right from the day, the beginning, and you can see it in the posters, some of the posters behind us, there's been what we call three streams of ministry. Big words, and the words are actually quite big uh, as well. But they're very significant, and if you go to any church planting conference or um, discipleship movement, they have the same three ideas. So when Catalyst was started, they were called, okay, here we go. Well, two of them are behind me, so that's a no-brainer. Who wants to say them? Invitation, impartation, integration. Which one wasn't behind me? Integration. Well done. <laughs> so they're three big words, but really at the heart of them are three very simple concepts. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with each other and we have a relationship with the community. Three really simple things. And, and quite often um, 3DM call it in, up and out. Um, what we're doing is we're, we're changing the words to try and make it easiest, easier for us to remember and also to apply. So if you think of our relationship with God in terms of a revolution of love, we want to love God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body and strength. In terms of our relationship with each other, we want to love one another. They, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. But we don't want to stop there because Jesus said the second most important commandment is to love your neighbour as yourself. So we don't want to become a little country club where we all enjoy each other's company. Our mandate is much bigger than that and much broader than that. And so these three simple ideas are actually fundamental to the heart and mission of what we're doing. That hasn't changed. Those three things are where the rubber hits the road. Those three concepts, those three ideas, those three pillars, those three streams, whatever you want to call them, are actually a great way for us to look at ourselves and go, are we healthy? Because if you think about a three-wheeled vehicle, if any one of those three wheels comes off, that, that vehicle's not going to be going down the hill like it was intended. And so these three wheels are like the three parts of the, or three aspects of the church that drive us forward, that give us meaning and purpose, and there is nothing wasted. And so I guess what excites me is that while church is messy, and we've been talking, we had a series about messy church, church is also beautiful. And these three aspects are beautiful. Um, on Wednesday morning prayer, um, Daniel, my son, 10-year-old, had a, a picture. Um, and Daniel's a pretty quiet guy um, and uh, doesn't normally um, uh, get in the way. But um, on Wednesday, we thought we'd finished prayer and the conversation started getting social. And Daniel went, ah, oh, I'm really sorry, I've got something else to share. And he interrupted us. It's like, wow, this is a bit, bit not Daniel. And he shared a picture and it, he, he had a real strong sense about this picture. It was a picture of some ingredients of a cake. And the ingredients of the cake were being put together and put into the oven. 
And the church was the ingredients of the cake. And God was the oven. And, uh, and it was a beautiful confirmation of this picture. That you can't, you can't just leave some ingredients out. The cake needs all the ingredients for the, for, the, the, for the cake, for the final product to taste good. But the ingredients have nothing to do with it, really. Because at the end of the day, it's the oven that creates the space and the environment that turns those ingredients into an amazing, tasty, delicious treat. And so the picture is actually really significant in terms of us as a body, in terms of us as a community of believers. If some of us go, you know what, nah, too hard this week, maybe next week. It's like having a cake without eggs or, or a cake without sugar. It's like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not going to be as sweet if, if we're not all in this together, if we're not all part of the same journey. But at the end of the day, we just bring ourselves as an ingredient. It's God that does the amazing work in and through us. The amazing thing about these three pillars is that they're not in isolation either. As people, as humans, we like to put things in compartments. You know, this is my relaxation time and this is my work time and this is my family time and this is, do you know what I mean? Like we love putting things in boxes. But when you look at this, Jesus kind of throws a bit of a spanner in works when he says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. So all of a sudden you go, oh, hang on. Love God, love my neighbour, love my neighbour, then I'm loving God. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's, it's, these, these things aren't exclusive blocks. But the message this morning is really simple. The message is, I'm guessing like me, God did something in your heart when you walked into this place when you heard the vision, when you saw the purpose. And like the billy cart, none of us have got it together. None of us are the ultimate prize. None of us are the, the magical piece that when you put it on the billy cart, it's going to make it amazing. But when we fit together, when we come together, when we share a, a vision and a purpose, when we look back on what our hearts was resonated with what God planned and purpose for this church, that's when the rubber hits the road. Because that's the point at which we become effective. That's the point at which we trust him and we go down that hill not knowing whether we're going to fall off or not. Not knowing if there's going to be a bend around the corner. But it's exciting, it's beautiful, it's special, it's really significant. And yes, church gets messy. I don't want to say that that's not the case, but I also want to say that church is beautiful and the thrill of going down that hill on the billy cart is worth cobbling together the pieces for. So over the next coming weeks, we're actually going to unpack those three things. Unpack loving God with all your heart. We're going to unpack what it means to be in community, in relationship. And we're going to unpack what it means to be in our, in our community. Because it, it um, scares me, the idea that people don't know how they fit in. They don't know whether or not they have a purpose. They don't know what their value is. Because without even knowing you, I know you've got a purpose. I know you fit in and I know you have value. 
And so hopefully over these weeks, over these coming weeks, you will be able to see maybe some, a glimpse of things that where you see you fit, where you see you bring value, where you see you're part of this billy cart. And that's going to have to work both ways. Because obviously, if you don't know what the billy cart needs, you don't know whether you can add value to it. So part of it's our responsibility to say, hey, this is what is needed in the billy cart. But at the same time, there's got to be a hunger to go, I want to go down the hill. I want this thing to be the fastest, most crazy billy cart I've ever been on. And the vision and the purpose that God gave Catalyst from day one, I'm on board. I'm keen. I'm excited. I want the rubber to hit the road. I don't want this to be a showpiece that we sit and we remember the era or the season. I don't want this to be a something that we go, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll have something that we can actually wheel out onto the track. It's for today. It's the plans and purposes God has for us for this week. And it's not just the church. It's us individually. How's your journey with God going? How's this love relationship going? How's the love relationship with, with, with your neighbours going? How's the love relationship with your body going? I want to just unpack for a minute. Now, at the start of um, the... Um, Oh, sorry, I did have a slide. There we go. Um, at the start of the, um, the Acts of the Apostles, often, um, and um, I think Andrew mentioned it to me a couple of weeks ago, it was, wouldn't it be awesome, and I've, I've heard this, a lot of people say this, wouldn't it be awesome if we were like the Church of the New Testament? Wouldn't it be awesome if we were like the Church of the New Testament? And I understand what the intention is with that, and I agree with that desire. Now, the Church of the New Testament didn't have it all together. They had a lot of issues and they had some challenges that they faced. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't, if you think the Church of the New Testament was bliss, then you're reading a different book to the one that I, I, I read because it wasn't all pretty. But there were some really significant things about the Church of the New Testament that, um, that fit exactly into this. And so I want to just read from, um, and I'm not going to read it all, so... It might be a bit tricky to follow through, but I'll try, see how we go. But um, from when the Church of the New Testament started, um, and this is um, on the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection. Now, we're only five weeks after Easter, but seven weeks. The believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames of t or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. I'm just going to skip down to verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by nine o'clock in the morning. No, what you can see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. And then he goes into his spiel about what was, what was predicted. A reading from verse 30. So let it be clearly known by everyone in Israel that God has made this Jesus 
whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words convicted them deeply, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you and to your children, and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued to preach. Sorry, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this generation that has gone astray. Those who believed what Peter's, Peter said were baptized and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Can you see the three aspects in that passage? Really distinctly, there was no confusion. But one thing that stands out to me, well, a few things stand out to me. First of all, we think Peter did all the talking and that's great. But did you notice that it said Peter and the 11? Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, they were in this together. They were committed. They, were, they, were, they knew that they had to wait. And, and it's, it's beautiful that when Jesus left, he said, wait, there's something coming. So what were they doing? The last command they were given, they were sticking to it. They were sticking to it. And they're in Jerusalem and probably, possibly a bit freaked out, unsure of what was happening. But when it did happen, they knew what their mandate was and they followed it. They were devoted to it. They were committed. And we look at the New Testament church as something that we go, we'd love to have that be our portion. But without the devotion and without the commitment and the, the desire that they had to fulfill that, without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which enabled and empowered them to do it, there's no point. You can't have a half-baked church. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't match because God provides what we need to fulfill a purpose. And if we want to fulfill that purpose, if we want to be that New Testament church, then we've got to look at what that church did. And what that church did is they didn't stop meeting together. They didn't stop sharing the gospel and they didn't stop worshipping and praying. They were devoted to all three things. There was no half-heartedness about it. And they did that together. They went to the temple together. They prayed together. They met together. They shared the gospel together. For this billy cart to run down the hill, it's got to be done together. It's got to be done with the Spirit's leading and power. We are a charismatic Baptist church. From day one, that's been um, the the brand, you might want to call it. 
Um, and that's why I think that passage is so significant because it actually encapsulates everything that you need, all the building blocks of a healthy church. Let's pray. Lord, you make good things. You don't make mistakes. Lord, you don't make duds. And Lord, I'm so excited by this next season, Lord God, by, by the plans and purposes that you have, Lord God. But they're not new plans and purposes. They're plans and purposes you've laid in our hearts for some for a long time, for others for a short time, Lord. But it, it's plans and purposes that are good, that are beautiful, that are exciting. Lord, we don't want to be a church that just remembers. We don't want to be a church that just looks ahead, Lord God. We want to be a church that's living and active today. And Father, as we look at what you did in the New Testament church, Lord God, there was a significant change that happened that only happened by your Spirit. And so Father, we ask that your Spirit would fill us your spirit would lead us. Your spirit would empower us and equip us. Lord, I pray that we, we don't look at this billy cart like something we've achieved or something that we're capable of, Lord, because it's only by your spirit. But out of that, Father, out of that, Lord, we give you devotion. We give you our hearts. We give you our love. Because, Lord, we want to be a body that is living and active. We want to be a body that is effective. We want to be a body that loves you, that loves each other, and that loves our neighbours. We ask, Lord, for, for that part of us, Lord, that, that's sceptical, that's bruised, that's tired. Lord, we don't want to pretend that's not the case. But for those parts, Lord, we trust them to you. We're reminded in prayer this morning, Lord, that your burden is light, your yoke is easy. And Father, we ask that you would heal the parts of us that need healing. You would excite the parts of us that are, that are stale. And Lord, for the parts of us that are they're excited and pumped up and ready to go, Lord God. Don't hold them back. Don't hold us back, Lord God. Lord, let our light shine as we heard a couple of weeks ago, Lord. We don't want to be mediocre. We don't want to be dim, Lord. We want to be a revolution of love. And so, Father, we just come with who we are, with what we've got, a billy card of makeshift pieces. And we say, Lord, take control of this billy cart. Take control of each of us individually, Lord. And take us on that ride, that journey that you have planned and purposed for us, that you designed us to be part of. In Jesus' name, amen.